each of his robe. Just for the, the nourishment that is the bread of life. A couple weeks ago we took, we took uh, communion. Anybody remember that? Remember we took the bread. That was his body. And the blood. That was the wine, guys. She's just asking for a piece of the bread. Just the crumbs that fall from the table. Then Jesus answered her. Y'all, I'm sure Jesus does this with a big smile on his face. He is happy. He is happy right here. He doesn't say, oh, she's begging. Oh, she's begging. She just wants me. She just wants me to touch her. No, Jesus is smiling because he says, man, she believes. She believes. Where you guys were to send her away because she was annoying, here she is begging with faith. She's not begging with, with mercy and, and, you know, she just wants a handout. No, she is begging with faith. Because she believes that just a touch can heal her. She believes that just a touch of who Jesus is can heal her child. Her child is oppressed, meaning taken over, ripped apart by demons. By demons. There are what are called magi. These would have been magicians. They could give you so little instantaneous Five-second release, right? They would give you this, this little earthly uh, feeling of, of, of temporary pleasure. But what happens with temporary pleasure, guys? It goes away. Anybody know anything that's temporary? It feels good in the moment. What, what usually follows temporary pleasure? Anybody ever heard of this thing called shame? Mmm. Go like this thing on the temporary pleasure, and then you heard that word shame. And I heard some, mm. Don't nobody like shame, right? Nobody wants to be ashamed. Matter of fact, it's almost like Caleb does this for a reason. What did, what did Romans 1.16 say? For I am not ashamed. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Anybody ever heard the hymn? Great is thy faithfulness. Remember that? Everybody knows that one, right? You know that. Great is your faith. He, he's responding to what, guys? Her need? No, he's responding to her faith. All of us have a need. How do we have our needs met? By bringing our need to the Savior. All right, I, I, I was trying to prep you guys because I told you all I'm going to show you something in a minute, and there might be a gasp. And, are we live? So I just got it back live. We were just back live? Oh, man. Yeah, so like most of it hasn't been recorded or streamed because the, we can't do 1925-12-8. But you got everything fixed? Yeah, now it's live. Oh, so they're about to just jump in right with the raw dog here with us? Yeah. Like they don't know what's coming. There's no, there's no pre-emphasis to yeah, this. No, it's no, just, yeah, they're jumping fun. right into offensiveness. This is going to be awesome. Man, I can't wait to hear a grumble about this one. Everybody ready? And when I bring this thing up, Jimmy is actually going to make sure that our live stream is able to see this too. And you guys laugh, but what I'm about to show you is not funny. Remember, I got y'all to train and practice earlier, right? Like, your gasping is there, right? Now remember, I want you to look, and I want you to look with great detail. I want you to actually analyze what you're about to see.
Everybody took a second? Everybody digesting? Why does nobody really want to look at it? This is real, by the way. This is not a staged image. It's a meme made off of a news story. Somebody just in the crowd, tell me what's in the background back there. Don't, don't be afraid to say it. There we go, Alex. It's a dead body. There's a mountain of dead bodies around the world due to the persecution of Christians. Uh, I, I believe when I did the statistics, 66 countries, it's illegal to mention the word Jesus. To just say the name Jesus is illegal. There are 31, I believe it was, countries where the name Jesus is a death sentence. You're put to death. The one name that can save is the one name that can bring death to you in those countries. Right? Because if you have hope, if you... I'm going to leave it up. You guys don't like to look at this for some reason. But you're perfectly fine just going about your day-to-day -day life. Right? I'm perfectly fine with going about my day-to-day -day life. I'm perfectly fine playing on my seesaw. There, there is a certain nature that you can look at of maybe like desensitization of these, these children. Think about that. That they're so used to seeing something like this that they just go about their day. But me and you don't know a world like that. What do we do to assist? What do we do to, to prevent a world like that? Oh, yeah, I, don't, I don't like that one. Oh, okay. I don't like that answer, huh? You guys don't like to look at that one. All around the world around us. I've, I've been reading a book. I'm not going to lie. I usually read really fast. Not really fast. Okay, Jessica's saying you're a liar. You're lying from the pulpit. I, I usually read at like a, a fair to midland speed. Okay? <laughs> I did read two books in a day one time. Uh, a day and a half. I read two books in a day and a half one time. So there's this book... Uh, and it's chock full. And the more I've really been thinking about it, the reason it's taken me so long to read it, it's called Counterculture by a man named David Platt. The reason it's taken me so long to, to read it is there's a lot of things in it that affect me. There's a lot of things in it that I'm guilty of. And maybe I just don't like looking at it. Same way you guys don't like looking at this picture right now, right? So I told you guys, I was getting you ready. Uh, except the live stream, they just jump right into this. They have no idea what happened beforehand. They're just like, man, this dude showed a dead body from the pulpit. Uh, and remember, guys, we, we actually looked at, in context here. We didn't just uh, we didn't just search out for for out of context and to use things to twist it and bend it for what we want it to mean. We looked at things from a Greek word study and looked at this passage of scripture. This. Uh, this is Matthew 15, the 21 through 28. And we looked at verse 26. We saw that that dog there was actually Jesus including her. Right? So Jesus put the inclusion out. It says here in verse 24, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was sent only to those who would receive. Here's the really cool thing. He's available to anyone. Right? He is available readily to anyone who will receive. It is on us, 
It is on our heart whether or not we will actually receive. I had an interesting talk last night. Uh, me and him are both in like the, the super minority on this. I've told you guys about how I believe uh, free will and predestination. Me and uh, Tiffany were talking about this outside. Uh, but how those two can actually go hand in hand. And he's like, man, that's perfectly normal. And I'm like, yeah, when you actually go and look a little bit in the deep theological conversations, and people will allow that thought, that train of thought to, to split the church. You guys, I, I've said it before, I'll say it again, just because I think it is just it's stupid. There are churches that have split over what color they're painting walls. There are churches that have split because one wants to put Charmin in the bathroom and the other wants to put Scott's. We all know Angel Soft is the answer, okay? <laughs> but seriously, we, we get so, so caught up on these things that ultimately on the grand scheme of things don't matter. They don't make any difference. They have no eternal effect on your destination, your eternal destination. But we get hung up on them here, right? We let them divide us here. We have brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted, put to death over the one name that can save you, and we do nothing about it. Here, let, let me just, let me take a seat so it makes it easier when you guys throw something in a second to hit me. Think about this, don't answer out loud because you won't like the response when I laugh at you. <clears throat> How many times this week did you post on social media? Everybody put a roundabout ballpark in your, in your head. Alright, everybody, everybody holding on to it? Alright, since some of us don't actually post, we just watch. That's called voyeurism, that's weird. Okay? Alex got it, thank you. Uh, how many hours did you spend? How many minutes did you spend on social media this week? Okay, the number just went up, everybody. How many times did you talk to somebody about Jesus this week? How many people did you personally invite to church this week? Ah, I don't like that. Don't do this, Caleb. You're doing the Pharisee thing. I see you guys. You put your hand in your ear and say, blah, 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 blah. that doesn't make it not happen. Time is one thing we can't take back. Now, who's going to say they might have wasted some time this week? Man, only the leaving from the front there. Okay, leaving from the front. See, me and Jimmy had this talk right before service. Jimmy threw something at me. I told y'all it was coming. I told y'all it was coming. Uh, so if you want to turn in your, in your Bible with us today so you can follow along with the Scripture, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. I'll give everybody a second to turn. Uh, anybody ever uh, did any farming? Not like gardening, farming. Tiffany's sister has some horses. Just putting that out there, guys. <laughs> Weird flex, I know, but it's just cool. You know, one of our members has a sister with a horse. Uh, if you've ever done any research on shepherding, shepherd. Me and Jimmy had this thought right before, right before service. Anybody know where a shepherd leads from? I'll answer. 
closer to you. The rear. A shepherd will from time to time run to the front to check for danger. But he allows his herd, he allows his, his, his flock, the most athletic, the most nimble, the most intelligent, uh, just naturally go to the front, right? And the lead is actually able to lead from the rear, right? I've watched videos to see how this happens because I'm like, guys, how does he make it turn to the left or right, right? So toward the back, uh, you'll have your more obedient flock. They'll sit right in front of the shepherd, almost as if to protect the shepherd. Now on the backs, on the sides, we'll have our Larry Curly and Moe's. Anybody know what happens to Larry Curly and Moe's? Sometimes they get into the sidetrack. Sometimes they fall away. Now when the herd stays consistent and goes straight, what is he able to do? What happens when Larry Curly and Moe fall off? Does he have to stop progress to go and chase them? No. The herd continues. He's able to go and retrieve Larry Curly and Moe because let's just put it out there. She forgot to do them. And the herd continues. In modern day and age, we have used these things called DOG dogs. You may have heard of a cattle dog. You may have heard of a herding dog. So it's this really cool thing where the shepherd, before herding dogs, cattle dogs came along, uh, your obedient sheep in the middle, he would actually, it sounds bad, but he would smack them on one side or the other. It would make them change course. And as the course changes, what happens? All the way, starting from the back. Anybody ever seen dominoes unfold? From the back to the front, the direction has changed, all because of his obedient in the back. You protect the shepherd. Your mature, nimble, uh, your obedient ones in the front, then take that lead and take the flock where it needs to go so that the shepherd can indubitably chase Larry Curly and Moe. Right? Here's the really cool part. At some point in time, every single one of us are Larry Curly and Moe. We do. I, I, remember, I got I caught flack apparently for this because I, I used to be a youth pastor. Heaven forbid, I'm kind of young and hip sometimes. But I always say we do hood rat things with our friends, right? Sometimes we do hood rat things with our friends. Sometimes we sin. Sometimes we fall short of the glory of God. And when that happens, what's able to occur? Our shepherd can pursue us. And he doesn't have to run from the front to the back to go chase us. And then the, the flock just, just goes and like, they just have to drop because they're so confused. No, it's able to continue going where it's supposed to go so that he can pursue because he leads from the rear. This allows a true leader, a true shepherd, to raise up the next generation of what? Leaders. We're in week four of our Bible series. Anybody know what we're actually talking about today? Teaching. What is the most, uh, I guess you would say, uh, impactful form of teaching? Man, look at that. Leading. 
But when we think of leaders, we always think the leader has to be in the front. Right? Because that's how we've always seen it. Where does the head of household sit? At the front and the center. Right? But if you look at the shepherd's mentality, anybody, well, let me just, let me read something to you. I'm not going to give you any preface of where we're at, uh, but every one of you, if you've spent more than five minutes in any sort of church, you've heard what I'm about to read to you, and then we're going to take a wild guess on something. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. For his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For, your, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Never knew what that one meant right there. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's Psalm 23. It's titled, The Lord is My Shepherd. So that verse 5 right there, you anoint my head with oil. I always wondered, what does that actually mean? can go a couple different ways. Anybody remember when Jesus died, they had to do what with his body? To anoint it, to prepare it. Man, there's, there's foreshadowing all the way back in this thing called Psalm. Right? In the Psalms there is foreshadowing. It talks about how the Lord is my shepherd. Somebody real quick, somebody who's a quick flipper, go to John 10 in your Bible. Tell me what it says. I'm going to keep talking while you do this. I can multitask. Can you? I can't really multitask. i got to wait on somebody to go to John 10 and tell me. Jerry's like, hey, bro, you, you can't multitask. Um, the title or the first verse? What's the title of that? I am the Good Shepherd. Oh, man! What's yours say, Jimmy? The Good Shepherd. Oh, man! Ezekiel 34, 1 through 30. The whole thing. 
about how we wander away. But it's just in the Old Testament, right? We just, we're just straying sheep in the Old Testament. John 10, 7 through 8. 1 Peter 5, 2 through 4. The one nobody likes to talk about. Revelation. <laughs> Chapter 7, verse 17. Just because you don't talk about it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Hey, yo. So we'll spend some time for a second uh, in, in Luke uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. I'm making a really good time today, guys. It's crazy. Let's get off on the tangent and see how much time we can kill. Everybody ready? Jimmy's like, no, dude, you told me you're doing good. You're staying on track. This is awesome. We might beat someone to Red Lobster today, guys. <laughs> Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man, this is Jesus, receives sinners. He doesn't just receive sinners. Anybody know how much of an honor it is to eat someone with some? Not eat someone. That got really weird. We just went super Old Testament pagan right there. Uh, this man receives sinners and eats with them. It would be an honor to be invited to go and eat with someone, right? Uh, there was more than like nowadays, we're like, oh, right, you want to catch McDonald's real quick? Yeah, let's do it. And then you go do something. Back then, that was something you actually took time, took pride in eating with one another, sharing a meal with one another. So anybody in this room, when, think of the last time you went and ate with someone. Pretty quickly, right? Came to your mind. When's the last time that you invited someone to your home and you cooked a meal for them? Not as quickly. Could you think of that? I like had, had to actually do some searching in the old. Jimmy said that there. You have to think that one through, though, right? Jimmy's got to be the. He's going to be the naysayer back there. He's like, oh, I guess we're back. <laughs> Verse 3. So he told them this parable. We're talking about leading, we're talking about teaching. Jesus liked to use these things called parables. I know people that are. They're, they're heretics, and they say, well, Jesus used parables to confuse people. You're not very well educated and versed in Scripture. Sorry, we'll put it out there. If you're confused by parables, it's because you refuse to accept His Word. Hey, well, somebody's coming after me for that one. There's that pen, Jimmy, threat. What man of you, having 100 sheep, if he has lost one of them does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. Verse 5, And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. He doesn't just go find it and then beat it with a stick and say, you bad sheep. Right? When somebody strays, it doesn't do what we tell them. We like to go and ostracize them for it. Jesus is telling us very clearly and very plainly how he receives us when he goes and finds us. Because he does go and find you. He's always in pursuit of you, as a matter of fact. No matter how far you run, he's always one step right there behind you so that when you turn around, he can receive you with open arms. 
Verse 6, And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. He celebrates their, their, their finding, right? He's eating right now, guys, with tax collectors and sinners. He is eating with the very people that he's talking about. And you know what? They're happy to be there. But your Pharisees, your Pharisees, they're, they're oh no, I, I stay with you. I'm just, I'm humble, and I'm obedient, and I'm kind. If you've got to say it, it's probably not true. Because my character should speak for itself, right? But when I'm thankful because I've strayed, when I'm thankful because I've been lost, I've been there, and he failed me, then I can tell you about it, and I can tell you how good he is, right? Verse 6, when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, that stupid sheep, no, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. That's what happens in heaven every time somebody accepts Jesus Christ into their heart. Jesus is up there bragging. And not bragging like we brag, but bragging because somebody else gets to experience heaven on the other side of this thing. You can get excited about that. That's something to be happy about. We're not talking about this vacation home. We're talking about our forever home. We ain't talking about the rental. We're talking about the one we don't put a mortgage on and it's paid for. Verse 7, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. That was Jesus' mic drop on the Pharisees right there. Why do I eat with tax collectors and sinners? Because they actually enjoy my company. Because they knew they needed me, and I received them with open arms. So the next time somebody tells you about how good they are, tell them about how good our Savior is. That's something to brag on. Don't brag on yourself. Don't compare yourself. If you're comparing yourself, you're falling short. You're already behind. There is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. I wrote a book and it talks about this whole Pharisee mindset. These churches, these bodies right here, these places where we come and gather are hospitals. These aren't museums. Stop treating it that way. This ain't a hall of fame. This is where people come because they need a savior. I get a little excited about this because I've needed a savior before and he supplied. If you have felt that same joy in your life to know that you are downtrodden, to know that you are correctly turned against his will and he still pulled you in, then you will be a little excited about this. If you ain't never been there, you don't know what it feels like. It's called a championship mentality. Anybody ever seen somebody who, who is who in sports, when they, when they win the Super Bowl, when they win the, the, the NBA title, People that ain't never been there before, what do they do? Woo! People that have been there before, they give you that look. And they got that swagger. They got that confidence because they know some. They've already been there before. Right? Well, guess what? I'm going to celebrate with both of them. I'm going to celebrate with the people who are new to it 
And I'm going to celebrate with the people that have been there. Because we all go into the championship, guys. Right? We're all going to see Jesus if you let him in your heart. If you don't, you need to come see me after this because we need to have a little talk. You think it's hot outside? You think it's muggy outside? You ain't gonna like hell. You ain't gonna like hell. You think South Carolina's hot? You ain't gonna like hell. It's a little warm. So I want to leave with you three. Look, oh man, y'all are gonna love me. I'm gonna leave with you three things that I need for you to take from this today, and then we're gonna bring Jessica up. She's gonna sing. The song that we're gonna sing. The tone may seem a little different than that first song, but the message is just as joyful. You, you, see, what I'm, you see what I'm saying? It, it, it might sound a little different, but the message is the same. My first thing I need for you guys to take with you, the goal of effective teaching is not to grow the church. That is, individual bodies of believers. But instead, the goal of effective teaching is to mature believers. You're like, wait a minute, Caleb. If the church is growing, then don't that mean? Just, just wait a second. So the goal of effective teaching is not to grow the church. Notice how we talked about deities a couple weeks ago. Notice how that church has a little seed. For y'all, everybody just kind of look at me whenever you're done, so I know I know you're done right. If you ain't done right, that's fine. I promise you ain't being. God's got you, man. You got time. If y'all saw if y'all saw my writing, you'd be like, okay, I can't even read that. I was gonna offer to share my notes, and I was like, nah, that that's in a good font right there. My handwriting it ain't in a good font. That's what I'm blaming on. This is my font that I use. It ain't my handwriting. This is my font. Oh, Roy. Mature believers will grow the church. Big C church. So effective teaching is maturing believers. Right? What does that mature believer then go and do? Grow the big C church. The body of Christ. People are more worried. I'm not going to lie to y'all. Sometimes, man, I, I get a little comparative. And I, I, I might have peeked at a little something right beforehand, and I saw a little, little church, and that's a little, right across, just a little bit from us, about 22 minutes probably. And man, it's packed, loaded, and there's a laser light show. There's LED background walls. And there's no depth. 250 people came and 250 people leave exactly the way they were. But hey man, they had a cool concert. They were the little boys on the seesaw. We can come together with our little crowd of people Every single person leave wanting to do better than they did the day before. Can I tell you something? There's more joy in heaven over one 
than there was over the 99 who didn't need it. seats than they are getting people into heaven. That's not the, I mean, if you want to write that down, that is pretty true, but some people are more worried about how many zeros is on the bank account than they are how many people they're serving in the community around them. Man, that's not fair, Caleb. It's not fair. Yeah, it's not fair. you got the all in zeros, but you don't want to help nobody. Hey, you don't stay over here in this the goal of effective teaching is to create leaders, not consumers. Man. Where is the shepherd at? Y'all, this ain't a, ain't a trick question. Where was the shepherd at, guys? What has he created? Man. So that when Larry Curly and Moe, indubitably go be Larry Curly and Moe, he can go and pursue them. And instead of the 99 other ones getting upset and jealous because he paid them attention, what should the 99 other ones be doing? They should be ready to rejoice because Larry, Curly, or Moe has come back to the flock. But instead, we live in this consumer world where Larry, Curly, and Moe got more attention than I did. Larry, Curly, and Moe. I'm using those names because I don't know anybody named those people. If I use real people's names, then they would yell at me. You call me a sinner. That'll get you life. Golly, man. Golly. Golly. Everybody's like, shots fired from the pulpit. I've used this, I don't know if y'all have noticed, on, on every week of the vitals so far. Jesus uses the ordinary to accomplish the extraordinary. This one ain't new to you. This one I've used, like I said, I've used every every week so far. So we, we've heard this three times before today. Probably heard it more times than that. But he uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. I don't know about y'all, but I'm pretty ordinary. So I'm waiting on my blessing that I can do something for somebody else. Right? I'm waiting on my blessing. I can, I can actually do something for somebody else. I ain't worried about me. God got me. I'm, I'm going to be good. But can I be filled up so that I can do something for somebody else? Shimmy, right? Shimmy on up there. I grew up in legalism and uh, those little dance moves would have just got me thrown out of church, y'all. That's where I grew up in life. <laughs> Better yet, the fact people was clapping earlier. And rejoicing, right? People are celebrating God. We ain't gonna talk about that. This whole thing would have been shown. Shut up, nah, sinners. But instead, we have people who were happy to be rejoicing in the Lord. So I'm just saying, I'm about to bring Jessica up with us real quick. We're gonna make it time. This is crazy, man. I'm gonna pray for us real quick. Jessica's gonna come and close us with a, a song and prayer. Dear Heavenly Father God, we just wanna thank you, Lord. We just wanna thank you for your love for your teaching, for your leadership, God, that you are our good shepherd, God. And I just pray that today we would seek you and pursue you in all things, God. 
And I just pray that in today, God, that we leave this place, Lord, and that we go and pursue someone, Lord, that we can show them who you are, God. That today, instead of running our mouths about things that don't matter, God, we run our mouths about you, Lord. And that we bring all the glory, all the honor to you, God. And these things we pray in your name. All God's people said, Amen. Amen.